welcome to the Tune In with Marcy podcast, where we always know that being you takes so much courage. Where you're joined by me, host, intuitive coach and healer, Marcy Moberg, every week for eye-opening, deep, real talk conversations on connecting to our intuition, personal power, the universe, and creating authentic relationships with each other. I want you to get ready for practical tips, inspiring stories, and answers to your burning questions. You know what they are that keep keeping you up at night. Whether you're struggling with overcoming fear to follow your life's passion, or you're experiencing Groundhog Day with repeating unhealthy patterns, this podcast is for you, sensitive soul. So get ready to live your truth. A quick note. This podcast sometimes has adult language because these are adult conversations. So plan accordingly, whether that means turning it off when kids are around or using your earbuds and earphones. Now on to this week's episode. I can't wait for you to listen. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I am excited to continue in this series on relationships. But first, I just want to send a a little bit of gratitude out to all of you, those of you who have listened, those of you who have sent me amazing positive feedback, whether it's through emails or private messages on social media or or commenting on my social media accounts on how these episodes have been really supporting you. Uh, Thank you for your feedback, positive feedback. It's really, really giving me energy and affirming for me that this is the right channel for me to be creating through right now. So thank you for that. This week, we are continuing the relationships episode series and talking about how to shift unhealthy patterns in relationships. This is a topic, I guess, I mean, I could probably say this about every topic I choose on this podcast. I only choose topics that I'm really passionate about, (laughs) but um, I think this is a topic that really can be a huge game changer. All of us, as I've mentioned in other episodes, and I will continue to repeat this as um, if you, you know, listen to the podcast, you take courses with me, etc. We all have baggage. We all have histories. We all have parts of ourselves that perhaps are still wounded and, and perhaps unaddressed. And those things show up in relationships. And I really do think that relationships are When relationships are healthy, they can be this amazing, 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 amazing alchemy container for healing and growth and transformation and possibility. I really think that we can, there there is the potential for some of us in relationship with others, particularly in romantic relationship and romantic love or close partnership to really realize a different level of potential um, than we might if we were walking our entire life just only on our own. And I don't think you have to be in partnership to, um, to grow in that way, but it is very different to share a physical space with someone on a consistent daily basis and um, to interweave your lives together. So I I really do think that if we can create healthy dynamics in relationships, it's quite profound what can come from them. So today, as I'm talking about healthy relationships, I'm not just talking about partnerships. I'm talking about family. I'm talking about friendships. Um, But to begin, you know, as we start to talk about this topic of healthy versus unhealthy patterns, we need to get really clear about what is the, the difference between them. And I would say uh, the difference between a healthy versus an unhealthy pattern and dynamic in relationships is in a healthy relationship, both people feel loved, supported, safe, and mutually respected. They feel met. They feel seen. They feel heard. They feel 
known. Um, and there is care and intention put into that for each other. So let's make this real and not theoretical. I want to share a couple examples. These are kind of like mini case studies is what I would say. And these mini case studies are, are not theoretical. They are drawn from either my own life or from client experiences. So um, they're very real. <laughs> so some examples of healthy patterns. Um, first one. It's a Saturday afternoon and your partner really wants to clean and you want to relax. You want to read a book. You discuss both and agree to honor each other's needs in that moment. As your partner cleans the kitchen, which is important for their emotional needs and their mental health in that moment, and you decide to relax for a bit with the book. After the two of you are done, you circle back together and check in with each other and decide that after they've done a bit of <clears throat> cleaning and you've done a bit of reading that you both now feel excited and energized to tackle reorganizing the bedroom, which is something that both of you have been wanting to do for a long time. So in this example, there are two people on a Saturday afternoon feeling the need for very different things. And there's enough open communication and mutual respect between them to be able to create space for both of those needs to be met and then to come back together and to um, connect on a joint need. Mm. So next example of a healthy dynamic. Your mom wants to talk and gives you a call to catch up and you've had a long week. In the moment, you're craving some alone time because it's been like, you know, one of those really, really rough weeks. Recognizing that you're not in the best place to be present in the conversation, you decide to let her call go to voicemail. Even though you don't answer, you've built enough trust together that she knows that you'll call her back when you're ready. And so she just goes on with her day and you know that she will honor your space. So you don't have to like urgently rush to call her back and you spend your time doing the self-care you need to recharge your battery after a very extensive busy week. So in this example, we're talking about trust. There's enough trust that's built, that space between two people, um, a healthy amount of space between two people and ebb and flow is honored and respected because there's a certain amount of trust that's been built there. <clears throat> okay, next one. You and your dear friend have busy schedules and you live in an urban environment with a lot of traffic. This can make getting together extremely tricky. Which area you, you meet up in sometimes becomes a challenge. So you, after a very long day and a busy week, recognize that you'd really, really love to be closer to your place this time because you're kind of, you know, spent in a sense. And you, so you decide to reach out to your friend and ask if you could grab dinner closer to where you live since y'all are meeting up that week. And your friend agrees, agrees to meet you closer to your place on a day that works for them because actually it just happens to be that they have an appointment near you and the two of your schedules line up. So you meet up at a place closer to you. And then a few weeks later, they're having a really rough day and could really use some at home, like cozy time, chatting with a good friend and watching a movie. And so this time you check in and you feel like you actually have the energy and you make the space to be able to drive out to their place and, um, and heroically work through the traffic <laughs> So in both cases, there's a there's a win-win. There's there's compromise. There's um, a sense of checking in and noticing what each person is able to do and not able to do at different times, and and a, a meeting of each other. In all of these three examples, both parties respect each other's boundaries. They take into consideration each other's needs. They include compromise. And they're fused with a lot of mutual respect and trust, right? So let's look in contrast. What are potentially some examples of unhealthy patterns? 
communication is important for you in dating. This is something that comes up a lot, by the way. Like this, this case study, I think that <laughs> I think I've worked with this pattern like a thousand times. <laughs> it's very common. So if communication is important to you in dating, pay attention because this might be you. <clears throat> Somehow the person you've been seeing for a while gets triggered by something that's happening between the two of you and they get upset and they pull away. And then they kind of seem to be MIA. They're not really sending their usual texts and they're, they're not really placing the typical phone calls that they do to you. And you start to freak out. Freak out. You start to get really, really riddled. Like your mind starts spinning with anxiety and worry. And then in response, you start frantically messaging them as the story is running in your head. And it keeps weaving around you of like, why, why you think that they're pulling away? You have this story that's really compelling to you that you're really buying into and it's spinning and it's spinning and spinning. It's really making you anxious. So you, as you buy into this story, after you don't hear a response, then you start calling them and you don't just call them once you leave like a couple of voicemails because you like, you damn it need an answer. <laughs> And as you keep, damn it, needing an answer and pressing for an answer and pressing for a response, you keep getting met with silence. And in this dynamic, your partner, the person you're dating keeps pulling further and further away in silence as you keep frantically searching for answers. So I'm just going to pause because and drink some tea. Mm. Because this dynamic is so common. And in this dynamic, there's not really a secure um, attachment and connection with each other. And both parties are playing into that. Both parties are um, acting from a reactive place, right? So the person that's pulling away is likely reacting to something and the person that's frantically spinning and spinning and spinning and clinging is reacting. So both people are not really in a reactive place. And, and as both person, both people keep engaging in that reactive behavior, it keeps driving them further and further apart. So this is something that, by the way, doesn't just happen in dating. It also happens in, in partnership for people all the time and, it really, really can drive a massive wedge between people and break down trust. Okay, another example. Let's say your dad calls you and um, he lets you know, hey, I'm coming to town. I'm going to come this weekend. And you're, you're kind of surprised because you've, you've never really had a conversation about at, up until this point about him coming to town. And actually, you have a lot of important plans this weekend. As you're listening to him on the phone inside, you're, you're furious, but you decide not to express it. And you feel like you have no choice because he's your dad. So you just decide to move and reschedule all of your plans without telling him so that you can see him. So your dad comes, he shows up, and the entire weekend, you feel like this low-grade anger simmering in the background for his lack of consideration for what you needed, your schedule. And you're kind of in this really jaded, cynical place where you have bought into this story and this idea that you've decided, you know what, it's always going to be like this. I can't do anything about it. I basically have to always just move my schedule. My dad is going to keep doing this thing where he just shows up. And over time, weekends like this build a low level of resentment in you. Mm, I spoke about this in episode number one. Resentment is toxic. It is toxic. It is really, really unhealthy. It will burn holes in the best of connections and relationships. Not good. So... This dynamic is really unhealthy because this is a dynamic that is about boundaries and boundary transgressions and a lack of boundaries and one person not really taking into consideration the other person's needs around boundaries and the other person not expressing their needs around boundaries. Does any of this sound familiar? Also, a dynamic regardless of characters, by the way, that I see a lot in my client work. 
this last example is about partnership. And you and your partner are fighting about the same thing you always fight about. By the way, this also doesn't have to be a dynamic just unique to partnership. This dynamic can happen in families. This dynamic can happen in friends. This dynamic can happen in roommates. So in this example, your partners, you and your partner are fighting about the same thing that you always fight about. You always fight about the same things. You know those things? You know those things? Like you could write them on a post-it note right now and hand it to me. And then we'd like hang out for the next couple months on and off and check in. And you'd be like, you'd have all these tally marks next to those things because they always circle back. So in this dynamic where you always fight about the same things, your, your, your partner seems to be playing the blame game. Like they're blaming you for all the stuff that's happening And they're missing how both maybe their actions also have contributed to what's occurring. They're not, in other words, they're not taking responsibility. And you get lost in this, like you get triggered in this moment of feeling blamed and you get lost and suddenly you're spinning out and you're spinning out in your familiar cycle. So their familiar cycle is blaming your familiar cycle is let me just pull all the evidence out of why you're the one now to blame. And I'm going to rehash old transgressions with them. You like, you know, rehash old transgressions with them. Like you're a teacher with a a long list on a chalkboard. And remember, do you know this? Do you know this dynamic? Is it familiar? It's familiar to a lot of people either because we've experienced it or we've witnessed it. And this dynamic, the conversation keeps escalating towards like total meltdown. And eventually you just feel like giving up. You just feel like letting go. You just feel like, whatever, I don't care. Maybe you concede. Maybe you're like, fine, you know what, right, I'm a horrible person, blah, blah, blah. Um, And in this, this dynamic, both people are really, really lost in me, M-E, and not we, W-E. So in these examples, All three of these examples, boundaries are broken, they're disrespected, interpretation versus facts take over, old scripts play out like the two of you are actors in really familiar plays and you know those plays like the back of your hand. Um, In these dynamics, respect is out the window, it's all about me, 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 which is front and center. Or in some of these examples, it's an unhealthy like you, 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 and losing me in the process, right? healthy relationships have space for me, you, and we. Um, Judgment is also a thing that comes out in these dynamics. Judgment is coming out of the shadows. Compromise is missing. And a balance for the needs of each person is completely out of the picture. These dynamics can lead to really, really uh, difficult, unhealthy dynamics in relationships that can have people feeling unsafe, disrespected, unloved and um and sometimes can escalate into really really unhealthy behaviors like um emotional physical abuse what do we do when we continue to experience these unhealthy patterns to begin we need to name them bring them out of the shadows and into the light bring them out of the unconscious and subconscious parts of ourselves and into the conscious light of our awareness we need to become aware of them We need to acknowledge them. We need to name them. We need to shine light on them. They need to not be hidden. They need to no longer be the elephant in the room. They need to become front and center uh, in your own mind and experience first before you kind of start engaging with the other person about it. So if you remember in episode one called How Our Past Haunts Us in Relationships, I spoke about the need to connect the past to the present. In other words, to recognize how our social and cultural conditioning, unresolved childhood wounds, and ancestral patterns can play out in our relationships. P.S. Also your past lives. I'll mention more about past lives in a future episode. So, for example, if your partner and you play the, the blame game and the here's all the evidence game, If you're one of the people in that dynamic, I want to know who do you feel like you are fighting in that moment? Who are you blaming in that moment? Who are you 
showing all the evidence to. In other words, um, did you never have the chance to speak up for yourself with your, your mother, your father, one of your caretakers? And then does that have you then always wanting to fight and therefore playing the blame game? Um, or were you always positioned in a situation where you felt like you had to defend yourself? You had to legitimize your needs. You had to um, explain yourself in order to be respected. Like your needs were not self-evident. They, they were not uh, worthy unless you provided enough evidence for them metaphorically. Then maybe you play the out here's all the evidence game. So the question is, you know, does this, does each of those positions remind you, uh, you know, who does it remind you of in that moment that you may be fighting? And number two, uh, maybe it's the overall dynamic that you notice that reminds you of your caretakers. Like, do you notice that this overall ping pong dynamic is what you witnessed between your mom and your dad, your grandmother and grandfather, your aunt and your uncle who raised you, your whoever that was, whoever were the caretakers for you at different points, do you, rec- do you recognize this dynamic? And is this how people modeled communication and conflict resolution for you? That's the case for many of us, unfortunately. Not great communication and conflict resolution techniques, I can say. There's a reason <laughs> that I spent a lot of time in graduate school studying conflict. There's a reason I devoted my whole life to studying conflict um, and working on it before I ended up doing my coaching work because I didn't learn the best and the most healthy conflict resolution techniques, conflict mediation, conflict management like that. That is not what I experienced. And so I felt really drawn towards it because I wanted to be able to understand how to more effectively engage in it myself, engage in conflict myself, and also how to empower others to do the same. Yeah, so many of us, not great conflict skills did we receive. Now, let's not forget ancestry. This is something that I really want to focus on today. Is this, for example, on the first level, is this the way that your grandparents fought? Is this the way that your great-grandparents fought? Like, in other words, is this something that has happened time and time and time again? This is a well-known family thing. Did you witness the entire dynamic playing out over different generations? Or is your, for example, your family, are are they all the professional blame gamers? They're always getting in fights with people. They're always needing to power over. And they struggle to take the responsibility for side, their side of the street because they're very armored and that's vulnerable. It's really vulnerable to take responsibility for how your actions are impacting another. It's very vulnerable. Um, or do they always play the game of the defenders feeling like they're pinned in a corner and needing to fight back? Um, so instead of power, power overing, they generally feel powerless until they feel like they're cornered so much that then they kind of explode, lose it. Getting to the roots of these patterns is essential. And when I mean roots, I'm talking about these kind of roots, right? The roots of where did they show up in our present lifetime family and and also where did they show up in our ancestors' lines if they did. Getting to these roots is essential for healing unhealthy relationship patterns. I mean, I th- I have seen it be a game changer. So when we start connecting the links to our past, we can understand why these patterns are repeating and just how old and maybe even ancient they are. By the way, you don't have to know your ancestors in this life to receive these answers. There are ways we can do intuitive work to tune into and connect with our ancestors and get to the root of what's happening in our family line with these patterns um, without needing to know those ancestors personally, especially these patterns that may be, for example, ancient and how we may be unconsciously embodying ancient unresolved pain. 
I'm going to say that again. Sometimes in these unhealthy patterns, we may be unconsciously embodying ancient, unresolved pain. Hey there, I hope that you are enjoying this episode as much as I am creating it. Just wanted to pop in and give you a special invitation. If you have been loving this relationship series, then I know you are going to love my new online course, Relationship Alchemy. This course is a three-month online journey with a community of support and expert hand-holding from me to heal relationship patterns and start to build relationships with your ancestors. So today's episode is really at the center of what this course is all about. We take one single pattern and work that through a methodology I have to start shifting it all the while starting to build relationships with our ancestors and understanding is this pattern not just from this lifetime, but perhaps also ancient and get their support, enroll their support in the process. So you can learn more about that and how you can potentially start to create more shifts and healing at a mental, emotional, spiritual, and psychic level in your relationships. You don't have to be in a relationship right now. This course is for people who are either in or have an intention to be in a committed partnership. So that can also be folks who are in the dating scene or taking a break from dating and plan to return to that in the future. You can learn about this course at marcymoberg.com backslash relationships. I would love to have you join me. And one last single announcement. If you happen to be in the Washington DC area in November, November 16th, actually this upcoming Sunday, I am leading a workshop on practical mindfulness, and that's going to be held at Yoga District's 14th Street Studio. So you can find out more of that also on my website at marcymoberg.com backslash offerings. I hope to see you either in person or online in this really, really powerful course. For now, let's get back to our show. Before the break, we were talking about ancestors and starting to get into the connections between our ancestors and these patterns that may be continuing to repeat for us in relationships. Again, just reiterating that these are these can be patterns in partnership, they can be patterns in family, they can be patterns in friendship with coworkers. They're just patterns in our relationships. And so we were talking about how our ancestors can have a role in that, how these patterns can literally be passed down through them. And I talked a little bit about that, I believe, in episode one, that it's like metaphorically as if someone is handing a bag to the next generation that they haven't worked through. And this isn't about blame. There's a lot of different circumstances that can lead to someone not doing that inner work. Um, A lot of different circumstances. What we know is that if you're here now listening to this podcast, then what I have for you is that maybe there's actually the opportunity, a unique opportunity for you that maybe the ancestors, your ancestors didn't have in the same way to be able to do some of this really deep inner resolution work. Um, and I also mentioned that you don't have to have known your ancestors. Um, many of us don't know a lot of our oldest ancestors that maybe, you know, depending on how old this pattern is or how long a trauma or unresolved transgression has descended through our lines. We don't need to know them as in having met them in the flesh, Um, that's a really actually a very limited view. We can do intuitive work to connect with them. So this is where ancestor work can be really potent and has become a really significant part of my own healing work, as well as the work that I've done with clients for years in my own ancestor work and the work that I've done with clients. I have connected with ancestors to heal past traumas and family lines drawn boundaries with unwell ancestors, um, 
you know, if somebody transitions from this lifetime and they are feeling incomplete with their life, they're feeling unsettled, maybe they were mentally and emotionally uh, really unwell, then it can be that when they transition, that that unwellness continues. And if they are not, um, if they don't connect with their their guides and they don't connect with the rest of the, you know, any of the well ancestors in that line, then they can have a situation where they're kind of stuck in transition. So really great teacher on ancestors, Daniel Ford talks about how a lot of the kind of ghost energy that people can experience at times is related often to ancestors. Um, And I know for myself at different points in time, because I've had experiences with the spirit world ever since I was quite young, there have been times once I started directly working with ancestors that I started recognizing that some of this quote unquote ghostly energy, some of this unwell energy that would bother me at times uh, was connected to unwell ancestors. So I've, I've supported people to Um, and in myself, draw boundaries with unwell ancestors, cultivate generational conversations previously unspoken. There's a lot of power in being able to speak about patterns. Um, You know, it doesn't mean that if, for example, you listen to this podcast and you do some reflecting, you go like, oh, okay, I totally, I get where this need to to fight, this need to defend, this need to blame, this this lack of boundaries, et cetera, is coming from, it doesn't mean that then you kind of go off and have a conversation with like maybe the family member that's connected to that line. Uh, it could work for you, but I think most of us, there's a lot more tending and caring that needs to happen in order for conversations like that to be even potentially possible. Um, but it takes time. And when we actually are at a place where we feel really steady in our own place and understanding of our past, then these kind of generational conversations that were previously unspoken can be really healing. I have also worked with ancestors to release old agreements, to release curses. Um, I do believe curses are a thing. There's, uh, you know, magical practice and the power of understanding our will and intention has been around for a very long time. It's just that in current modern society, we've gotten quite disconnected from that, but it's, I think, starting to come back. So at least I can speak for where I live in the United States. I have also worked with ancestors to recognize and and, and kind of find patterns that were previously unknown. And sometimes ancestors can support us to find the source of that, like the source event. We may be able to witness the source event. I've had, you know, for example, um, I remember a client that I was working with on relationship challenges. And when they kind of, we did this work in a guided session, they went back to, to connect with some ancestors. There was the discovery that there was un, unspoken, um, like, what do I want to say? Unspoken, unspor- like, misalignment in one of their ancestors when they got married in the sense that they, it's not really who they wanted to marry. They actually were in love with someone else and this kind of created a split inside of them and then it ended up creating some behaviors that came from that and further on so um and then and that ancestor got married quite young so that was really useful information for my client to help kind of tie the bows together and understand a certain pattern that they were working through in present day life and understanding why it was so deep. And it's really remarkable when we do go back and we can see these roots, how things shift, because it's only when patterns are really unconscious that they have power over us. Once they start to be conscious, they, in other words, once we become aware of them, once we see them, we know them, we go, oh yeah, I totally get it now. I see the greater picture. 
then those kind of tendrils of power start to release because it's no longer hidden from us. So that can be really powerful. I've also worked with clients, and this has been the case for myself, to discover that in their ancestry lines, they were able to recall hidden gifts, um, hidden strengths that were potentially lost along family lines. So it's not just going back to release the unhealthy, but it can also be to recover the good as well. So why would we want to address relationship patterns at an intuitive and psychic level? Good question. You know, given that we are equally human as we are spirit, I really believe I've come to the conclusion so far in my own healing work and in the thousands of hours I've been doing healer work with other people that I really believe we need both human and spirit approaches to release these deep-seated patterns to facilitate holistic healing. And I find that unless we address a pattern on the mental, emotional, spiritual, and psychic levels, this pattern can kind of continue to repeat and creep back in because it has really deep roots in our ancestry or past lives. Again, another topic that I'll talk about in the future. Uh... Like side note, or footnote rather, I think the one piece to say about that that can be, hmm, what I say, an exception, or perhaps just it requires a certain level of patience or different wider perspective with, is that those of us with trauma, so I'm a survivor of trauma, I am someone who's been working through layers for years of complex chronic PTSD. And um, trauma is this really interesting creature that um, makes patterns really interesting because you can have patterns that you uh, think you address and then they spiral around and later can come back up again. And it's just that I find that for my own, I'll speak for my own trauma. Um, and I have found this to be the case for clients I've worked with. It's so deep and there can be so many layers to it. It can be this lifetime. It can be, you know, ancestral, it can be past life. It can be so many different layers. It can be things that happened in our childhood. And then because of that kind of boundary breaking, cracking open, etc. that that then similar incidents happened in our adulthood. And so there's just a lot of layers to it. And so regardless of whether you're working with trauma or not as the underlying propeller for a pattern, what I would say is that it does take time. So I'm not suggesting that if you you know work, do intuitive work with your ancestry that then all of a sudden everything just kind of about faces and changes. That's not really my experience. It's more like if you do have an about face change, like if you do have a dramatic shift after connecting with your ancestors, it's because of all the work that has been done before that point to bring awareness that then has allowed it's like your, your system and the family lines, there's a certain level of readiness for that to be released and complete. Perhaps the soul lesson has been completed with that in a sense. So I say that caveat because I think it's really important. I think people talk about this in very, in absolute terms, and I don't believe that healing is absolute. I think it is a very spiralic process. It has ebbs and flows. There are times where we're super conscious and there's times where we're really out of conscious. There are there's so many layers that can play into that. When, I, when we do address the mental, emotional, spiritual, and psychic levels, what does that look like? You know, For me, for example, that could look like learning how on a human level to create healthy boundaries so that you don't feel powerless and brew resentment. You know, like with the example that I spoke about with the, the father that kind of shows, decides to call and say that they're coming and kind of shows up unexpectedly and the person changes their entire schedule. 
So in that case, it would be actually learning how to create in the human side, it would be learning how to actually create healthy boundaries, recognizing number one that, oh, wait, I'm, <laughs> I'm actually letting my boundaries be trampled on. And then I don't even know, like, what would be most supportive in this moment around bound. And it would be addressing that so that, you know, perhaps in the future, you've maybe had a conversation so that he doesn't just pop into town unannounced. Or, you know, in some cases, which can be challenging, if that other person, in this example, is your dad, but let's say it could be a partner or, any, or whatever that is, if someone is not receptive to honoring your boundaries, that's something very important to take into consideration. And you have to do what's best for you. But what I would say in a case like that, if someone is continuing, is does continue to break my boundaries, then fundamentally they don't respect me. They don't love me, really. There's like an un- there's not a there's a lot of conditionality to that of like needing things to be only on their terms, and that's not a two way street relationship. That's not how I would want to build friendships. It's also not how I would want um, to build a partnership. So, so in cases like that, if the conversation is not possible or the conversation ends up revealing that your, in this example, your dad is not receptive to your boundaries, that's important information to then sit with. And maybe that means that you end up taking space for a while um, and then, you know, dive further in through some therapeutic and healing work with this, with the support of a professional, etc. Um, you know, a lot of times people will, will not want to have those conversations because unconsciously they're delaying the fall of an illusion that um, a person really truly respects them rather than meeting the reality that perhaps things are not as they thought. And that is painful. I mean, I'm just going to own it. It's painful. I've had plenty of my own experiences like that in my life. But in the long run, recognizing that truth is really, really important to freeing us so that we can create more authentic relationships that are mutually supportive for, for everyone. Um, from a psychic and intuitive level, using this example, let's say you dive into your ancestor's work and you discover that many generations ago, boundaries were broken for an ancestor. And in reaction... This ancestor and the ones that came after them actually developed a pattern of powering over others, right? Like this example of the father just deciding to like call and then show up. Um, and they're, they're doing this, like this, this pattern that developed way back when an ancestry came from a preemptive asserting of power so that no one would disrespect their boundaries again, right? It's like a preemptive protection mechanism, so they never have to have their boundaries broken again. Because if they just assert the other, their boundaries, you know, they assert their needs over others, then they never have to worry about that again. So that, through an intuitive psychic level, you could recognize that pattern. And at a psychic level, intuitive level, then through doing some ancestral healing work, you could mend the initial trans- transgression that happened that led to that initial boundary breaking. And then your act could be that you decide in this life through your actions, your words, your deeds to be the well ancestor, to be the one that's releasing that old pattern and that learns how to develop a healthy relationship with boundaries. Like, I don't know about you, but saying that out loud, like gives me yummy, good goosebumps on my arms because that is so powerful It's not just that you're healing your own relationship present dynamics, but you're actually doing this amazing, amazing service on behalf of yourself and your soul and then this whole family line. And that's not to say that you then, by doing that, you're taking on like the burden of healing it. No, it's rather recognizing like, you know, regardless of what's happening with the others in your line, 
they may still be bound by that in some way, but you're releasing yourself from that binding so that you can then bring more brightness and wellness and joy and embodiment, authenticity and truth and whatever that is that you care about into your line moving forward. I believe that many of us that are that feel called to heal deep-seated unconscious and subconscious patterns, like if you're listening to this podcast, P.S. That's you, I think. <laughs> I don't know why you would show up here if that wasn't the case. Something in you is feeling this call to heal some deep-seated patterns. And I believe that people like you and I and others who are listening to this and thinking about these things are feeling a bigger call. And the bigger call is that our ancestors actually also want us to heal. It's not only that we desire less suffering in our lives, but perhaps that those that came before us and were not able to release old wounds, heal transgressions, are literally calling us and saying, hey, we're here to help you to do that. And that those well ancestors, those ones that are our spirit guides so often that are here to support us, to cheer us on, that want to see us do well, that they're actually here to orchestrate that deeper wellness inside of us and inside of our family lines. And and they can be powerful support mechanisms in that process. And so first we need to start by building relationships with them because then they can become amazing allies And I've literally seen like miracles happen with the work of ancestors over the years. I've seen people go to therapy for years and then they do some work with their ancestors and patterns that they have been working on for three, 10, whatever that is years, like boom, shift. It's really, really profound. It can be really, really profound. So to heal these relationship patterns, We're invited to make the connections to our past. We're invited to work with the ancestors to heal on a spiritual and psychic level if we're willing to take that invitation and to frankly take different action. We need to take different action. We need to show up to the boundaries differently. We need to show up to the conversations differently. We need to not play the role of, let me bring out all the evidence. We need to not play the role of the blame game. Patterns change by taking new baby steps along the way. However, to have those new actions stick and be aligned, we first need to be clear about what is happening that maybe we haven't previously seen before. And that is what was ever was previously unconscious for us was in an autopilot pattern and repeating without any understanding around why. Once we clear that up, it's like, boom, it's ready for shifting. Lastly, we need to understand how these patterns serve us. Woo, this is a tough one. I am going to tell you. And what do I mean by service? Because whenever I say that to people, clients will be like, well, this doesn't serve me. I mean, yes, (laughs) it doesn't serve you. It doesn't serve your, your wider self. It doesn't serve your present goals. But there is some part of you that's serving. So, you know, it's some part of you, it's usually a coping mechanism that, that empowers you to feel safe because maybe it's familiar and it's comfortable or a coping mechanism that allows you to feel secure, but it doesn't really actually create security, etc. So you want to go back to the, you know, for example, the boundary situation with the father. And if that pattern was a reaction to boundaries being violated, the pattern of powering over, underneath that power play, to disrespect other people's boundaries is actually a deep-seated need for feeling secure, safe, and standing in one's power. That's how it serves them. Is it the healthy expression of fulfilling the need of feeling secure, safe, and standing in one's power? No, but that's how it's serving them. So understanding how these patterns serve you is fundamental also to releasing them. Because when you get there, you see that, oh, okay, the need is clear, but how this is expressing itself is unhealthy. And that's important because sometimes you can shift a pattern and then you realize underneath an unhealthy repeating pattern was actually a really important core need. So let's not throw like the baby without, you know, what do they call it? Baby out with the bathwater? 
Anyways, you know what I mean? Let's not troll the whole thing out. Let's, let's figure out what's actually essential because there's some reason it's happening. And when we can see that, then that's when we can translate it, transform it, shift it. Okay. This was fun. So next time I'm talking about acceptance embracing is a word that I like to use embracing in relationships how do we accept ourselves embrace ourselves how do we have more space to accept embrace others but most of all how do we learn how to love without maybe judgment especially ourselves and the thing that people always ask me about Marcy how do I not give a shit about what other people think we're going to talk about that So I'm excited to have you join me next time and thank you for listening. I hope that this conversation has been as rich to receive as it has been for me to channel and create it for you. Thank you so much for tuning in today with me on my podcast, Tune In with Marcy. I hope you loved this episode and it enriches you as much as it has for me to create it. If you enjoyed the podcast, I would be so grateful for you to hop on over to Apple Podcasts, share your rating, and leave a review, ideally five stars. That way, more people can find this podcast, which would be wonderful. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode, and you can always learn more about me and my work at my website, www.marcymoberg.com. That's my first and last name, .com. Until next time, remember, being you takes courage. Lots of love.